fait, j'ai voulu te, te téléphoner pour te, te demander allô quelque chose quoi Okay, well, thank you to Zap Mama for Allo Allo and Allo to all of you listening out there, whether on the radio or streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. This is Arts Week, and I'm Jeanette de Beauvoir. The Provincetown Film Society is hosting a special preview screening of the upcoming Little Richard documentary on April 15th at 7 p.m. Director Lisa Cortez will be in attendance for a reception and Q&A following the screening. Little Richard, I Am Everything, tells the story of the black queer origins of rock and roll, exploding the whitewashed canon of American pop music to reveal the innovator, in fact the originator, Richard Penniman. Through a wealth of archive and performance that brings us into Richard's complicated inner world, the film unspools the icon's life story with all its switchbacks and contradictions. And you can get more information about that at provincetownfilm.org. The Provincetown Theatre is opening its 60th anniversary season with the Cape Cod premiere of Harvey Fierstein's Casa Valentina, the latest Broadway play written by the Tony Award-winning icon of Kinky Boots, La Gage, and Torch Song Trilogy. Inspired by the true story of a mid-century sanctuary in the Catskills, where heterosexual men dressed as women, Casa Valentina reveals the crossroads of gender presentation, sexual identity, and the significance of community via a disparate group of people whose lives are forever changed upon a visit to the secret lodge in the summer of 1962. Casa Valentina will perform May 11th through 28th, and you can find out more, get times and tickets at provincetowntheater.org. That's theater with an E-R dot org. The Pilgrim Monument and Provincetown Museum is open for the season, and you can take a dive into the recent past with the newest exhibit, An Anecdotal LGBTQ Plus History of the Last Century of Provincetown, curated by the Generations Project. Visitors can continue to explore the true narrative surrounding the complex relationship between the Mayflower Pilgrims and the region's original inhabitants, the Wampanoag tribe, within the Our Story exhibit as well. And you can get more information about those at pilgrim-monument.org. The Provincetown Film Society and the Center for Coastal Studies present an environmental film series on Earth Day weekend, that's April 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, that offers both feature-length and short films related to the ocean, climate change, and citizen science. Called Planet P-Town, the series begins Friday, April 21st at 7 p.m. with the 2023 documentary Deep Rising. Narrated by Jason Momoa, the film is a tale of geopolitical, scientific, and corporate intrigue that exposes the machinations of a secretive organization empowered to greenlight massive extraction of metals from the deep seafloor that is deemed essential to the electric battery revolution. Vibrant and award-winning short films will be featured on Saturday, April 22nd, starting at 11 a.m. I just want to highlight one of them. 
It's called Spinnaker. It's the story of the film's namesake humpback whale and the Center for Coastal Studies' efforts to disentangle her from rope and fishing gear. CCS tracked Spinnaker from her birth to her death and across multiple entanglement events. Her experience offered marine biologists a rare chance to see how entanglement impacts the lives of whales. The series concludes Sunday, April 23rd at 11 a.m. with Last of the Right Whales, a 2021 documentary showcasing the people who research and protect the critically endangered North Atlantic right whale currently dying faster than it can reproduce. You can find out more about all of these films in the weekend and get tickets at provincetownfilm.org slash cinema slash planet p-town or just Google Planet P-Town. Well, I am very pleased to be the first, I think, to talk about the world premiere of a new musical at Cape Rep Theater. Archibald Avery is a collaboration between Pato Divine, Seamus Divine, and Macklin Divine, and I have th- all three of them in this studio with me today, as well as the show's director who doesn't want to talk to us, so we'll just leave her alone. That's Maura Hanlon. Welcome to Art Suite, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having us. It's so great to have you here after seeing you last night. It's just sort of like a different different perspective <laughs> on people. <laughs> so let's start by obviously talking about your relationship with the same last name. I assume that there's a connection there mm. um, and how you've come to work together. Yeah, so... <laughs> and please do, since all of you are male and this is the radio, I'm going to ask you to just mention who you are before you speak. Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Macklin. Um, I'm the youngest. Uh, we are all three brothers. Um, and we had the fortunate ability of being homeschooled up until ninth grade. Um, and our parents both work at the theater. So most of our free time, and actually most of our time in general, was spent like watching the tech process and watching shows get directed. So we've always kind of had that process. Um, and then now doing this, it's really cool to have that chance to be on this side of things. Yeah, and I'm Seamus. We also have been, um, we've been playing music together for so long that we have developed a uh, creative shorthand that we can talk to each other and drive songs forward. And that applied to the show in a cool way where we brought it into a different medium bringing um songs into a musical where we could translate things into theater because of how we've worked together for so many years just playing songs jamming on old beatles stuff and stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) you all have to comment it's really okay (laughs) but do let's mention um what your group is that you that you your performance venues and um well we uh we play in a band called club nine ball and we play all over the cape and up through boston and uh that's our that's our main gig is we are a rock band but this um show archibald avery at cape rep is very much not a rock show Mm. we wanted to write something for uh we wanted to write songs for the piece we were trying to make so it brought us out of our element a little bit and let us try a couple different things that we haven't been able to do musically in a uh in a situation that we haven't been in before. So it's been a really fun process. Yeah, I love talking to people whose day job is being in a rock band. (laughs) (laughs) And the plays, the the different things. (laughs) That's fairly unusual. I do... (laughs) 
I do want to point out also that um, although she doesn't want to talk to us, the director is your mother. Yes. yes. <laughs> what was this like working with your mom as director? It was. This is Pato. It was. <laughs> it was really cool because like it's. You already know the person, mm -hmm. so like you know how they speak, you know how they communicate, and so when you have someone, when you're creating this new thing, it's very easy, like Seamus said a minute ago about creative shorthand, like being in the band, mm -hmm. we already have a working relationship with how to write songs, how to communicate that situation. Mm -hmm. Like Seamus will bring me lyrics, and then I will put them to music. And so you add our mom into that, who's a brilliant director, it Absolutely. just adds in another element. and. Um, she already knows how to talk to us. She already knows she she already knows how to get the most out of us that she can. Mm -hmm. And so that was just really cool having someone that is so close to the band in general. So how did we get from the band and even just kind of growing up around Cape Rep to this Archibald Avery? Yeah. I think I should ask Macklin about so, that. <laughs> <laughs> so we got this commission from the theater. Um, and we had a few days where we were just kind of sitting in a room being like, okay, so we have this thing. What are we going to do with it now? We have to write a whole story about it. Um, and eventually I just came up to the guys and I was like, hey, I have these series of poems about these weird little funky characters. And one of the ones that I feel most strongly about is this guy called Archibald Avery. Um, and I ended up reading the original ones to the boys. And we were just like, let's try to go down this road. And eventually we stuck with it. Um, and I had the wonderful fortune of being able to create this little world <laughs> with my weird little guys, with my brothers, so so that was great, you know? It wasn't really clear whether the weird little guys were the characters <laughs> or your brothers in that <laughs> sentence. I just wanted yeah. to mention that. <laughs> oh, Not boy. much of a difference, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found it very interesting watching you together because it was really clear that and I think it will be clear to all audiences who come to see this that that communication that closeness is there although you also were able to incorporate the other two mm. um, actors slash singers um, in ways that that showed that you'd work together but it wasn't quite the same you could really mm. tell that the three of you are are an entity so to speak <laughs> what was it like working with other people and bringing them into your little group. Well, I was talking uh, with Pato about this the other day. I write a lot of words for the band, and have a lot of lyrics, but I never sing. So I'm very used to hearing other people sing my words. Mm. But for these two, it's kind of a new thing to hear other people <laughs> sing their songs. Yeah. And yeah. it was cool to watch that process happen. Um, Brian Evans and Jess Andre are awesome. Yeah. They were great to have in the room. They picked up on it really fast. They understood it was a new piece, and they just embraced that process and said yes to everything that we threw at them. Yeah. And yeah. it was it was just it's been really fun to have them and add more voices Absolutely. to our songs. Um, it was also just really helpful to have uh, other scene partners and actors to play off of. Um, like having some more people in the room was really helpful for me and it just brought a new levity to the process that was really wonderful. Mm -hmm. I also think it was like three days before we opened, yes. we went up to Brian and we're like, you're getting a new part of a song today. You decided you're singing this. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and he didn't walk out. This is good. Yeah, right? True oh, professional. <laughs> well, I found it, and I don't want to give away too much to sure, listeners, yeah. I, but I do want to intrigue them a little bit. And I and I have to say that um, 
I am myself a novelist, and I often feel like my characters are running away from me or with me or somewhere where I hadn't planned for them to go. And so I found that really interesting to see your take on the creative process where um, one of your characters is someone who is writing under pressure and finds that his characters are kind of taking over the narrative. How How did you come about conceptualizing that? That's that. Because that's something I think that most people who are not part of the creative process don't necessarily think about. Yeah. Well, for for me, it really stems from if you have this idea, and this is just for me, and I know Seamus agrees with me on this. If you have and this is Pato. Yes, yeah, sorry. Say who he was. <laughs> this is um. It, if you have this thing nagging at you, mm-hmm. you have to get it out, mm-hmm. and like. Even if it's not the song that you want to write, if it's something about, if it's something unpleasant, or even just this silly little ditty, but if it's in there and it really needs to come out, it will drive me crazy yep. until I can actually get it out. Mm-hmm. And so, with writer's block for me, like if if something is impeding that, it literally feels like I'm losing my mind. So we wanted to try and put that yeah. aspect of the creative process to show that it isn't all just like giggly fun and the juices aren't always flowing sometimes nothing is coming out (laughs) no matter how hard you try so we really wanted to try and put that into the story somehow yeah um and another thing is while we were um sort of conceptualizing the the idea for the show at the beginning stages we really wanted to touch on the process of an artist and like a writer and different aspects that come with that and I had been playing around with this uh, a piece I wrote uh, called Gongo the Sad Clown. And it basically uh, goes around the concept of if one of your fictional characters grew sentient to an extent, what would you do if they started taking an ounce of control? Um, and going along with that, we kind of wanted to use that for uh, like an aspect of writer's block and all the things that come with um, writing. So that was really fun. Yeah, I, I'm reminded, Margaret Atwood says something about if you just spend the morning staring at the page, that's also writing. Yeah. Um, but it's also painful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that you can separate those. Um, I found it very interesting, and, and I do want to talk more about this, that your character goes to such dark places. Mm. Um, I think I've got I, I was, here's the phrase I was struck by. Are the bad stories not worth telling? Um, I, I, I was very struck by that. And I'd love to hear um, how you chose to go sort of to this darker side mm. um, and, and yet, you know, portray some sort of redemption through it. Well, uh, part of it was coming out of COVID when mm-hmm. we, were, we were very fortunate to be isolated together. So we were able to create and write music and play together Mm. but a lot of the lyrics that we kept coming up with were darker because of the mindset we were in during that year and uh but we didn't feel like we could bring them out because the world didn't need need any more of that yes you know it was it was it was dark enough and i think enough time has passed that we're ready to start expressing some of those things that started to come to fruition Mm. during covid yes I also really enjoy exploring the macabre aspects of storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's something I really, um, I've, I've always been drawn to like horror movies and scary stories and stuff like that. Um, so that's definitely 
I, I, uh, I often write in a sort of darker tone, which I think probably came out a bit in this. <laughs> oh, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you're talking to someone whose day job is writing murder mysteries, so I am completely there with you. <laughs> Not a problem there. But I, 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 I do ask that because I think that um, for a lot of people, the... Um, the, the, the need to, to, to feel like there's justice at the end or, you know, things come right somehow mm. in the end. And I think that um, you did that and you didn't do that and you left that a little ambivalent. And I personally really like that. <laughs> but I'm wondering what you're thinking about how audiences are going to react to it. Well, going into it... You have a name, right? I do. Shame it. (laughs) I'm trying to take care of you listeners, okay? We're all kind of one person. (laughs) Um, When we're going into it, we we had to go at it with a different approach in general because we're usually writing stuff for concerts, which is a completely different kind of of writing. Um, And uh, we, we, we were never really sure how audiences would react to it and we're still kind of not and uh, I guess we're going going to see but we wrote we wrote it to the place that um, we felt the story was taking us mm-hmm. and uh, we had multiple possible endings for the show and we kept going back to it and this is just really where we were all going and we all yeah. kind of knew that yeah we all kind of found our way to it uh, individually and sort of came to a consensus right. about it yeah we all went off and wrote the end of the play separately and brought it together, and it was oh, interesting! It, it all yeah. came out Great process. the same in, 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 in one way or another, and we're like, all right, then we, this is how we're going to go with it. Mm-hmm. And what would you have done if you had all thought about it? <laughs> yeah, I want my ending. Yeah, honestly, oh god, <laughs> oh, trouble, boy. trouble at home. <laughs> uh, one of the things I really like about it, and and I think this probably stems from the fact that you all are fundamentally musicians, but um, so many musicals, and I think that's changing a lot now, but it's still around that, you know, you've got this story and you've got these people acting and then suddenly out of the blue, let's all burst into song. (laughs) Um, You know, whether it's relevant to the piece or not because it's a musical. (laughs) And you, most of your story was told through the song. It was almost like the narration was accompanying Mm. it, but not the most central part that yeah. the music really was carrying the stories was that intentional or did you just do that because you are musicians well this is pato it was it's one of those things like if you if you commission a band to write a show that's our medium yeah. so right. like that's just kind of how we know how to do storytelling mm-hmm. the the biggest the two biggest differences for me was one writing it completely out of our style mm. and two when when we're playing we have to tell a whole story in the time restraints of one song so beginning middle of an end in like four and a half five minutes seven if it's a really long song and so now to, have to be really succinct yeah, yeah exactly and so now to have a full like hour and yeah. a half the song doesn't have to have that same structure. Mm-hmm. It can exist to tell exactly what you're trying to say in that moment. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah, I found I found I found that really interesting because there there's so many um, 
shows that you go to where you can almost just sort of zone out during the music and just hear the music. But with yours, you know, from the very beginning, you're just, focus, focus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're telling you something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm dying to know where you got the the um, name of the character. Yeah. This. Okay. Yeah. This is uh, this is Macklin. Um, so okay. Which is Archibald Avery. Yes. Yes. Um, so first off, sorry, Mr. Beale. Um, one day uh, in my senior year Latin class, I had finished my translation a little early, so I had some time to kill. Um, and so I just started writing random little phrases and rhymes and stuff. Um, in Latin? Yeah, no, not in Latin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in English. I would have really impressed <laughs> oh, no, that. Absolutely not. No, I'm not, I'm not that smart. Um, uh, <laughs> But um, but um, I I uh, it had been a running gag with my friends of like there's a phrase of never trust someone with two first names, um, and I had started playing around with that, and I wanted a name you could kind of chew on if that makes any sense, uh, and the first thing that came in my head was Archibald Avery, um, and so I wrote the first little poem, which is actually in the show. Uh, it's the first um, song where you're introduced to Archibald. Um, about this guy who's kind of like an embodiment of what if your childhood fears about that neighborhood guy were all real, you know? And what if all those rumors of this guy being a monster or whatever were true to some extent? Um, and yeah, I just kind of went with it and here, here we are. <laughs> It's intriguing because someone, you know, approaching it when I first, you know, when, when um, Jared first told me that this was coming, you have absolutely no idea what this is going to be about because it's yeah. just a name and it could go anywhere from there. And I think that's that's really intriguing. That yeah. Someone say, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> I do want to, and this is my own prejudice showing, but I do want to go back to the dark side a little bit here. Um it's interesting to me that you um, you did exactly what you're talking about, where you're taking these childhood kinds of scary things that live under the bed mm. um, and bringing them out as as you know. Um, at first, when I was first you know sort of getting into the story, I'm thinking, "Whoa, this is a story about a little kid getting murdered." Is this like really good? <laughs> Even for me, this is like going a little far. Um, and obviously it's about much more than that. But mm. I did love that you go to that that deep place that we all have, that, that everyone's scared of that guy yeah. in that house, whether that ever really existed in our lives or not. Um, and w I wonder if that was conscious for you, that you're appealing to sort of that mythology that's shared by so many people. Yeah, this is, this is Pato. We, we wanted to try and juxtapose... Um, a childhood fear with the adult fear. Yes. So, like in the first half, it's oh, almost yeah. surrealist. You know, he's mm -hmm. the boogeyman. He's mm -hmm. he's not real. Yeah. Uh, like it, it, larger than life. And then in the second, he becomes more human, and that switches from the childhood fear to the adult fear mm. of this very rational thing. Yes. And not this fictitious like. Mm -hmm. um, borderline supernatural entity. Right. It's just it's just a human being, mm. and that is what we tried to do there. Like change from the childhood nightmare to an actual adult fear surrounding one's children or something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the things that we tried to do there. Mm. And I'm dying to know why you never sing. 
<laughs> this is Seamus. Uh, I. Uh, it's really it was really noticeable that I, you're the only one on stage yeah. who's not singing. I don't sing for a couple reasons. Uh, first off, I'm I am a drummer through and through. I I don't <laughs> sing for our band. Um, but uh, the other reason is when we were going at this, we're like, okay, we're gonna write a show, but how do we perform it? Macklin's really the only actor of a bunch. He's he's been in a lot mm-hmm. of shows and yeah. You, you'll, you'll see if you come and see the show. Mac- Macklin is a very talented kid. Thank you, James. But um, <laughs> Pados is the main vocalist in our band. And we're like, Pados going to sing, Macklin's going to act and sing, so I'm just going to do neither. We're going to do different steps of the same person. Mm. You know? Interesting. Yeah. So uh, this is Macklin. Seamus uh, kind of becomes the heartbeat of the show. If there's a rhythm, sure. it always leads back to Seamus. Um, uh, the typewriter is really important. Usually that's him. He usually takes that place. Um, but yeah, we wanted to kind of show the different aspects of the author of like the head, the voice, the hands, and like how that would manifest on stage. That was really fun to play with. Oh, I can imagine. It's <laughs> <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> I'm a drummer. I don't sing. <laughs> you and Phil Collins should have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> He's brilliant. <laughs> Uh, um, so what I'd love to do, we've got a, a, just a few more minutes here. I'd love to just go around and have each of you talk about either your favorite part of this, and it can be your favorite part of the play or your favorite part of the process, um, but also um, just sort of share with, with listeners what they might be able to discover in it when, the, when they come. I'm saying this to you listeners, not if, when you come to the show. Um, so whoever wants to start can do that. Yeah. So for me, this is Macklin, sorry. Um, my favorite part of the process was just getting the chance to do this with my brothers and my mom. Because, <laughs> um, like, I, I mean, I've always... Okay. <laughs> the two things that I love the most are music and acting. And I've always had to kind of walk the line of balancing doing one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um and getting the chance to like do this with my brothers and my bandmates um, and kind of show them things from my side and work with it with them that was definitely my favorite part of like the whole process um, and I think <laughs> you know it's just really fun and it's weird and it would be great <laughs> if, if people would come and hang out with us and watch our <laughs> weird little show <laughs> I, I'll agree it is weird <laughs> and it is great um, and and as I said before, and, and just picking up on that, you can just feel the energy mm. um, amongst the three of you, which is which is really something very different for audiences, I think, mm. to to experience. Uh, this yeah. is Seamus. My my favorite part was definitely working with these two and being able to uh, go at things that we don't have access to in our normal venues. Mm. So I can uh. I can bring a bicycle in and use that as percussion. Uh, we can use different instruments that we pull off of the set. We get to work with set designers and lighting designers and all these things to pull a piece together that we get to conceptualize together. So that was such a fun process to build it from the ground up and have access to all these different resources that we've never had before. I do want to pick up on that because I'm not a musician, um, but I also was noticing, you know, the the constant changing of instruments <laughs> for all of you. 
Um, and I suspect that musicians coming to the show will be really very pulled in with that because <laughs> it's just, um, okay, this is the right guitar for this moment. Yeah. And this is the right percussion instrument for this moment. And yeah. I found that absolutely fascinating. <laughs> This is Pato. My my favorite part was yes, obviously working with these guys and creating the the piece, but then like that first time when Jess and Brian came in the room yeah. mm -hmm. and you actually started to see it unfold right. in front of you and like you're like, "Oh, this is happening. This is my vision. This <laughs> yeah. is like what we all had in our heads and it's starting to be real." And that was that was just kind of like a big moment mm. for me to see that. And it's just been such a fantastic team. It really has. Everyone involved has been phenomenal. I can't say enough about it. I, I believe that because even though, as we talked about, you know, there's a lot of darkness in it, there's also such a good energy that you feel in that room with those people. Um, and and I assume that we're giving credit to a lot more than just the people on stage. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. um, so I just want to go quickly through some... Um, specifics so people can go if i can find it it is april 12th through may 7th at cape rep in brewster that's wednesday through saturday at 7 p.m sundays at 2 p.m and tomorrow night is pay what you can night always <laughs> always a good time <laughs> um but I, I i really having seen this last night i strongly recommend it to all my listeners this is a great evening this is great energy and a really intriguing story. So I want to thank you all for being my guests on Arts Week. Thank you for thank having you. us. It's been such a delight. Thanks to everybody for listening in. We'll chat again soon. Until then, this is Jeanette de Beauvoir with Arts Week. Au fait, j'ai voulu te te téléphoner pour te te demander Allô, quelque chose quoi, yeah Quelque chose quoi Je